The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The new year is the perfect time to start building credit scores. Because when your credit scores increase, your opportunities do too. Like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to keep building your credit with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. You can use Credit Builder everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit score safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress. There's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Start building your credit history and finding new opportunities with the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. <laughs> Welcome to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Wagner, along with my co-host, Will Lomas. And we have a special guest here today. We kind of promised it to you uh, last week, but it couldn't happen. Unfortunately, we had to get the podcast out in quick fashion, given all the uh, events that were that were going on. But we have with us Luke Worsham, former co-host of No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Luke, how are you? Oh, man, I'm great. It's great to be here. I'm excited for this. I was bummed I couldn't make it last week because I, I was sitting at my desk at work and uh, the, the John Robinson news happened. And of course, I start to get all these texts about it. And so I was distracted for the rest of the day. Unfortunately, I had tickets to the uh, Predators game that night, so I couldn't join you guys. But I'm thrilled to be able to break it down now. And I'm sure Will and I will... We'll get into it for old time's sake. Yeah, I, I can't mean, imagine that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the people were clamoring for it. They literally called for your name as soon as it happened uh, on our Twitter account. So I'm glad we're, we're able to make that happen. Uh, and I guess we could kind of just get into it with that and start with that. What was your initial reaction when you heard the, the John Robinson news? And it seemed like you kind of maybe weren't too surprised by it oh no i was very surprised like the first thing i did was i triple checked uh the the tweet that i had been sent to make sure that it wasn't barry mcconkiner because it, it like it it seemed to me completely out of left field and then i, I realized it was it was accurate and so it, yeah it was very shocking i thought um but I, I mean, I certainly get the logic behind it, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know if you guys just want to like start going for it, but <laughs> um, 
Yeah, like I, I kind of want to steer clear and let you guys kind of argue about it, but it, <laughs> like I, I, I know like it kind of made sense because of the AJ Brown thing, and, and it seemed like a very impulsive decision by by Amy Adams Strunk, but all signs are kind of pointing to that that this had been brewing ever since the offseason, ever since the AJ Brown trade, uh, and everyone has kind of like come out against John Robinson. It's been happening for for a little while, but especially given the all of the injuries that the Titans have have had to deal with, and it's kind of exposed some of the the depth flaws, I guess, that the roster has had. Uh, and, and people, a lot of people point to the draft classes, particularly in 2020 and 2021, uh, just too many misses in the draft and, and kind of a mismanagement uh, of certain pers- positions, particularly wide receiver and offensive line. Do you think that's kind of just what, what did it? Yeah, l- let me set sort of my position on this. And then if, if we want to argue and have a debate, we can. I, I don't think that I'm going to be nearly as militant in my stance as maybe you you expect. Uh, I probably would not have done this uh, because John Robinson has done so much for the organization. He means a lot. Uh, he, he, he is sort of a figure of stability. You kind of know what you're going to get with him. Um, but at the same time, I look at this move and I say, yeah, I, I buy that. Like, I, I don't. I don't dislike it, certainly. Um, I I kind of like it, I guess. I don't love it, maybe. Look, here, here's the deal. We spent all last season talking about, man, the Titans just have no one, and Mike Vrabel just keeps getting it done. And, you know, I haven't been around this year, of course, but I've, I've kept up a little bit. And, you know, every now and then on a Sunday afternoon, I find myself on the couch watching the Titans. And it's the same story again. Like, everyone's hurt. Or, you know, people just aren't good in the way that you expected them to be. And so you've got these people like um, Adams, the safety, number 47, right? This this shows you how <laughs> how marginal my attention yeah, is. Yeah, so, so far so good, yeah. Yeah, Andrew Adams, right? That's his name? Yeah, uh, like I got, didn't even know who he was you got, until— you got guys like that, uh, the corner, number 38, who am I thinking of? Is there a 38? <laughs> I think it's 28. No, I think it's Kalu, about... right? No, not Kalu. I, I know oh, Kalu. I th- you're talking about Mitchell, Terrence Mitchell, right? Yes, 37. Terrence Mitchell. Yeah. Um, right. I think he's 37. All these guys keep coming in and over and over. Man, Mike Vrabel just comes up with a play. I didn't never count Mike Vrabel out. He just, like, at a certain point, you have to identify the cause of, like, okay, why is it that every week it is a piecemeal team that Mike Vrabel just sort of has to quote unquote, as you know, the media says, heroically put together a win. And it's like, cause this team is just not talented. And I think it all comes down to really two issues uh, because the Titans defense is, is not that bad. Um, you, you know, you still have Kevin Byard, Amani Hooker just got a deal. Um, Zach Cunningham, from my understanding has been disappointing this year. But, you know, there's still Bud Dupree, and it'd be a lot better if Harold Landry had not gotten hurt. Jeffrey Simmons, you know, know, the defense is what it is. But offensively, uh, okay, let me say this. Todd Downing's a problem. He's got to go. I never said that last year. I never, I never, I I sort of thought it, but I never really said it. Uh, Now I'm saying it and thinking it. He's got to go, and Mike Vrabel is on the hook for that. It's, It's ridiculous at this point. 
But the receivers and the offensive line are awful. And I know Dennis Daly doesn't need to be out there anymore. That needs to change. But Robinson has whiffed on offensive linemen after offensive linemen. You have Dylan Radins. You have Isaiah Wilson. He should have re-signed Jack Conklin. Um, over and over again, right, these whiffs at offensive line where they should have been in a position to where, you know, Taylor Lewan on the way out, Roger Saffold on the way out last year. They should have been in a position where they, like, had capable people in the fold and, and could band-aid or, or heal those wounds. And they can't because there's there's nothing there. And in the wide receiver position, it, it's just sad what what Vrabel and, and Tannehill have to work with. And again, Todd Downing doesn't get off the hook here. But when the best you got, because Traylon Burks is hurt, is Robert Woods and uh, Cody Hollister, right, these guys, it, it's bad to watch. And I'll, I'll close this sort of monologue with this thought. You know, I was watching the Jaguars game on a Sunday. Ryan Tannehill didn't throw to an open receiver all game. Every throw was to someone who was covered, and the throws that converted to completions, they just kind of somehow won a 50-50 ball or, 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 or made it happen because no one is creating separation. No one creates separation. Because no one can create separation because Robert Woods is washed and Nick Westbrook-Akina is a wide receiver four that's playing wide receiver two. Uh, Cody Hollister stinks out loud, right? There's no separation, and, and both of those problems go straight back to John Robinson and his failures at the wide receiver position, which go beyond A.J. Brown because that's a bad one, and I still think that was bad, but it, it goes well beyond just that singular issue. Okay, so let me let me jump in. Um, here's my question. There, so last year they played 91 players, more players than any NFL team has ever played before. Yep. This year they're on track to play 89 players. Okay. Which would be second most. The guys that were drafted: Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, Chig Conquo. I mean, Chig's healthy, but it's like you know these guys they don't have injury histories. You know they're healthy in college. And then they walk through the door and they get injured. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I think it's lazy to say that all the injuries are, are a result of a poor strength and conditioning staff and training staff or whatever. But I, I think if you think that this strength and conditioning staff or medical staff or whatever is competent, I think you don't know what you're talking about because you look at guys like Ola Daney, who they just cut, which was weird. Because he came back for one game off of he missed two or three games with a neck injury that was poorly evaluated by the medical staff. They put him on IR. They used one of their few return IR spots to bring him back. Then he played one game, and then he was cut the next week. And it's like that's just a bad job of evaluating. Like It's a complete mismanagement of an injury. Then you have Kyle Phillips, who he started out with a shoulder injury. He had to take off time and rehab and do all that. And then he got a hamstring injury. The week he's supposed to come back from a hamstring injury, he reportedly has a setback. And now he's now they don't know if he's going to come back at all this season. And it's like, you know, you look at Elijah Molden, who had an injury that kept him out of for six weeks in the tra in training camp. And that landed him on IR to start the season. And then he comes back and instantly re-aggravates it. 
and Christian Fulton's got his hamstring thing that it, that's popped up. And it's like these guys don't have injury histories before they come to Nashville. It, it's it's like as soon as they get off the plane at VNA, they're all of a sudden injury prone. And that, that I just don't understand how people aren't. It, it you know one year okay that's that's a fluke maybe but either they're the most un because you think about it to have the most injured team in NFL history is already crazy but to basically match those numbers the next year you're talking about you know a one in thirty two chance and then following that up with a one in thirty two chance that's like going and getting back to back hits and roulette like. It just like statistically, it does not make sense. And so there's, you know, people talk about there's an issue with the depth and all that. But we're in a salary cap era. You can't keep everybody you want to keep. There's only a certain number of draft picks. If you've got a problem with the A.J. Brown trade, like that's fine. Like at this point, the people who who, you know, whether you listen to Mike Keith or whatever, like the. Again, I don't I don't want to skew this too far because I I want this to be a pretty down the middle take. But, you know, I think everybody involved didn't want AJ gone. I've I've, we've talked about that. We don't need to rehash it. But people are going to believe what they want to believe about the AJ Brown thing. But this was an issue when AJ Brown was on the team, when he was put on IR and when he was injured for back to back years. You know, like it's not this is not. If AJ Brown was here, everything would be better. If AJ Brown was here, he'd have been on IR six weeks ago, and we wouldn't have seen him. You know, it like he's played more snaps with Philadelphia, or he will in the next game, than he played uh, with Tennessee last year. And there's still a month to go in the season. And it's like you look at all these guys who aren't injury prone until they walk through the door, and then all of a sudden, as soon you know, it, now that we're retroactively looking at it, they're injury prone now. And, and it's like I don't. I don't get that. I don't buy that any team who's playing their 80th player in the first week of December is poorly prepared. I don't think anybody can prepare for 80. You know, you can't prepare for, you know, Harold Landry to tear his ACL week one, like right before the season starts. You can't prepare for Jeffrey Simmons to have a twisted ankle and for it to just slowly heal. You can't prepare for Danico Autry to have whatever he's got going on with his leg and then Bud Dupree to have hip injuries all of a sudden. It's like that, you know, these aren't, it's not like he's taking guys with hamstring and, you know, everybody thinks that Julio and Caleb Farley are indicative of what John Robinson did when it's not the case. Those are two outliers who didn't work. And we're using that those two, you know, gambles, to say, and that's the type of guy John Robinson brought in, which just isn't true. I mean, Traylon Burks is famous at Arkansas for playing through pain and not missing time. You know, he dragged them to that Texas A&M game where they either won it or he had like 150 yards. Like, you know, it's it's all the, you know, it just, it's such a weird thing that people are just so accepting of saying, well, it's because they have injury-prone players. It's like, it's just the the history does not back that up. And then some people say, well, it's the type of players they get. And it's, you know, it's getting an undersized guy like Kyle Phillips and then, you know, putting him out there. He was out there for one game before he got hurt and it was a shoulder injury. And that turned into a soft tissue injury in the middle of a week. It, like it's just it doesn't it doesn't track. And so, you know, I think injuries are a big part of the problem. I think that 
Todd Downing does a terrible job finding out. I mean, think about it took, what, 10 weeks and two back-to-back games with 40-yard catches for Chigakonkwo to finally get more passing, like passing reps, not not targets, just reps in the passing game than Swain. Like, that's such a poor mismanagement of talent. And, you know, you talk about Dylan Radens, like Dylan Radens has played left guard, right guard, like left tackle. He, I don't think he's played right tackle in a game. I think he's played right tackle in the preseason, but I know he's played right tackle in the preseason. And whether you watch the games or look at PFF, it, it's clear that he should be starting at either left guard or left tackle. You know, if you don't think he's a tackle, fine. You know, everything about his tape and his perform, you know, his career says you're wrong, but fine. But if he's better than the left guard you have, who your head coach has vouched for being tougher than a $2 stake when he's getting his ass whipped on repeat every single game, you know, that I, I don't know what you do. Like, I don't know how badly these guys have to get beaten before Mike Vrabel admits the first mistake of his life. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I kind of agree with just about everything you said. Uh, mainly that at this point, it is not conspiratorial in the least to say the Titans are doing something wrong with all of these injuries. Because for you to two years in a row have a record number of injuries that has never been seen in the history of the NFL, for this to be such a consistent problem they are doing something wrong there is something about their process that is not being done well now i don't know what that is i'm not sitting here and saying it's the trainers or it's the grass on the practice field or it's the medical or what i don't know what the problem is but when when a process is yielding results like that There is something wrong with the process. The process needs to be addressed. The process needs to be fixed. So I don't know what that is, where you maybe start to get conspiratorial at at worst and speculative at best, is when you start to say, well, I think it's this, and I think it's this, and this guy needs to be fired. And I don't know. I'm not in the building. But but Vrabel's got to do something next year. He just has to. He's not going to. But – for this to be this bad of a problem for the second year in a row points to something in the process being wrong. You're, you're dead right on that, Will. The evidence is indisputable. And, you know, last year when people were, were, were bringing this up, I asked Vrabel about it, and he made the comment. He said, you know, when I would get hurt as a player, I wouldn't say, oh, well, well it was the trainer's fault or whatever. And, and that is a more than fair point. Here's the problem. It is not the trainer's fault that you get injured, but I'm I'm curious as to whether there is something about their training program or the way that they go about uh, rehabilitating injuries that have already happened. I, I don't know. You would have to be inside the building to understand that stuff, but something is up there. And, and certainly John Robinson and Mike Vrabel are not to blame for that. What what John Robbins or or maybe Mike Vrabel is I don't know John Robinson not what what John Robinson is to blame for though because you made a fair point well it's like and and how in the world could you prepare for all of those injuries and, and and that is fair the the problem I have with John Robinson is not so much that there's like not depth for injuries um, 
I don't think I've ever said that that was a flaw of his. It's mostly the guys before the injuries that just aren't very good uh, at, at this point on the roster. Uh, the, the salary cap situation is not good, which means they're not exactly going to be able to go out into free agency and get a whole heck of a lot better. Um, but but the Titans overall as a team, from my perspective, and again, you know, a year ago I would have considered myself – as, as you two are an expert on the Titans, I, I am not anymore. But from my current vantage point, which again is not as as clear and as reliable as y'all's vantage point, um, they strike me as a team that's very slow, that is not explosive at all. You know, I talked about the receivers not getting separation. Um, there's just no real wow factor about this team right now. Uh, Kevin Byard's good. Tannehill's doing the best he can, uh, certainly from what I've watched throughout this year. Um, Jeffrey Simmons, from what I understand, has been uh, disappointing as a pass rusher, hasn't been as explosive as he was last year. Um, but, like, it's those three guys and who else? Derrick Henry, right? He's been, He's had a... Uh, uh, an uplifting year, certainly. Mediocre. Mediocre. Well, I mean, I you would know more than I would. Um, but but it's those guys and who like you the you think- the guys that you look around the Titans and you're like, ah, I kind of like that guy. It's guys like Chiga Conquo, who I think's a fun guy to watch. He's played very well from what I've seen as a rookie. But like, you don't build a team around 23 year old Chiga Conquo. Do you think the Titans are missing blue chip players? Do you think that's what's kind of keeping them uh, from possibly taking the next step and turning into a powerhouse? And do you think that's, you know, kind of linked to, to John Robinson's demise in terms of some of his drafting? Because obviously we we look to Isaiah Wilson and Caleb Farley. That's two, re- two first round picks that essentially uh, have just been burned, like just lit on fire and, uh, I mean, the Wilson one, we, we kind of saw it coming. We didn't think it was going to be this bad. Uh, the Farley one, I think we were all kind of in agreement that it was a good pick because he was a top 10 type of talent in the draft. And it, he really looked like he had the profile of a Pro Bowl type of cornerback, but the injuries have just just completely killed him. Yeah, so a, a couple of things on that. I, I, I think they are suffering from not having blue chip talent, and I think that stems to the repeated first round whiffs from John Robinson. Um, I'm, I'm probably missing one. Conklin was a hit, even though he didn't resign Jack Conklin. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons was a hit in the first round. Uh, and then the rest of them have just been not good. Uh, Rashawn Evans, not good. Uh, Isaiah Wilson, abject failure, disaster, torpedo. Uh, Caleb Farley, not good. I know I'm missing one. Corey Davis, Corey, Corey Davis, Jackson, not Jackson. good. Um, well, you know, well they, they, they were good, they, not they great. Fall, they not fall great. into that Christian Kirk like mold where it's like they got a bunch of money in free agency, and then we haven't watched them close, but you know they've been good. Like they would have been really good second round picks. Like yeah. I think yeah. I think they're victims of where they were drafted, but like. When Adore Jackson got hurt this year on a kick return or punt return or whatever, 
Giants fans lost their mind about how they lost their best corner. And this was when they were six and one or whatever they were. So, I mean, he's obviously doing something to make a good impression with them. And then Corey Davis is, you know, he was Corey Davis is Corey Davis. Like when he's good and he's the number two in a passing game, which is where he is now, when he's on the field, he's going to help you in the run game. And he's going to, you know, he's a, he's a really good number two, but he's just not going to be a number yeah. one and he's got health concerns. And but, when you, and when you take a receiver fifth overall, I, I think you just got to get yeah. a number one, but look that, you know, we can, ha- we, we have had that debate so many times, but the, the, uh, the chief problem with John Robinson. So that that's it. Only really two blue chip players in the first round, some in the, in the later rounds, Byard and Henry certain fit in that category, but you got to get, you know, starters and long-term players in the first round. But I think the biggest problem with John Robinson, the biggest indictment of his tenure with the Titans is, and you might know this number off the top of your head. I heard it uh, last week listening to the radio. I can't remember it. So few players that he drafted got a second contract. And that tends to be the measure of successful draft picks, right? That measure being after four years, are they good enough to warrant the money to keep them around? And hardly anyone has gotten a second contract from John Robinson. Uh, Harold Landry, Amani Hooker, right? We can name some, Derek Henry, Kevin Byard, right? That's four, four out of what, like 50 draft picks? I know there's more I'm not thinking of, but you get the point. It's very few. Right. Jayon but- Brown, you can't even really count because they weren't going to give him a second contract, but then he got nothing from anyone else and he kind of begrudgingly came back is that yeah. robinson's fault though or is it well, that Vrabel doesn't see them as let's take quality a time starters out. let's take a time out real quick here because okay. it's so here's here's what really trips me up about this stat and for some reason it just baffles people that like they can't understand it you know who can't get a contract who, who hadn't got a new contract jeffrey simmons Nate Davis, like Amani Hooker just got extended. Like these guys, like the 2019 draft class hasn't gotten, hasn't finished their contract year yet. It's not like you know there's who else from seven that draft class didn't get a new contract from the Titans. From the Titans, I was thinking, so I was like, I was like, AJ got one, but but my point is like we look at it and it's like, yeah, they didn't get any, con- you know, it's like look at how many draft picks they've had. It's like, well, two thirds of those have happened when he can't extend anybody. Like the guys he's extended are like. Harold Landry and uh, like you said, Jayon Brown, and we talked about uh, Kevin Byard and and Derrick Henry and all that. And it's like part of that is uh, part of that's like okay, they could like they could have re-signed Janu. Like I guess like he got a crazy deal from the Patriots that they were never gonna like get close to. But sure, that and all- that's important context. And they they also had to spend that money on Danico Autry because that was the off season after. Mike Vrabel pounded the table for Jadavian Clowney for half a year. And then they got him and everybody was like, hooray. And then he did nothing as Mike Vrabel, Vrabel shadow DC'd the, the Titans and would just wouldn't admit who was the defensive coordinator. And then at the yeah. end of the year, he threw shit. Like there, on the other context. end of that though, right along with that, you could blame John Robinson for Vic Beasley, which was virtually the same situation. Right, but he is like my problem is he is getting blamed for that. It's not like oh people forget about Vic Beasley. It's like no, like he gets he gets blamed for Vic Beasley and Jadavian Clowney 
and for the fact that he let Jack Conklin walk. And it's like it, the reason why those guys, why Jack Conklin and why John U. Smith and all that are gone is because they couldn't invest that kind of money because they had like they had to rebuild an entire defense. And Conklin is different because he came off an ACL injury and then he wasn't the same. And then his last year he was like he was good. But I would say I, I wanted them to re-sign Jack Conklin and I was in the minority. Everybody was like, you can just draft a right tackle. Like, look at what Dennis Kelly can do. And Dennis Kelly did a good job when Arthur Smith was here. But that's that's sort of the problem is everybody says we should spend that money other places until those guys do well in Cleveland. By the way, Cleveland doesn't even necessarily want Jack Conklin back. Like, they had discussions about cutting him this offseason, not because he's not good, but because he's not healthy, which was the whole thing. So, you know – the problem is these like fans will look at a highlight from Corey Davis, just as an example. And for the next six weeks, Corey Davis may not have another catch, but everybody will say, see, they should have just kept Corey Davis because look how good he's doing. Because people see a very small fragment of a picture and they don't keep up with all 32 teams. And then they just extrapolate that. And they say, wow, like that guy's doing great. And it's like, it just like people think that AJ Brown like killed the Titans. You know who else killed the Titans? Everybody they you know, it's like Mac Hollins had two hundred yards or whatever. Corey Evan Davis. Ingram just torched him. Yeah, I mean, like it's just it's it's Well, I yeah, thought you were talking about specifically Davis. former players. Well, no, I mean, but you are right. Like it's like, you know like this is not a new phenomenon. This, like they they tried to run a double double reverse pass to AJ Brown, but it was covered. Like the Eagles were very clearly trying to force the ball there, but fans get so upset. Like, and nobody wanted AJ Brown gone. Like, not. I mean, I, I promise you that Mike Vrabel and John Robinson weren't like, you know, what would make our life harder if we didn't have that guy. Like that, but they just didn't have a choice. It's like that. That's what bothers me. In well, all that's this. that's it's, what I question. I question whether they had a choice. And and a lot of that for both of us is based on hunch because AJ Brown tells one story and John Robinson tells another, and so it's like, well, who are you going to believe, or does it come like right down the middle, you know? Yeah, and may, and maybe John Robinson's version isn't a hundred percent right, but we know that AJ Brown's isn't. So I still would have just paid AJ Brown what he wanted. I don't really care. I mean. Like, yeah, maybe, except, again, like, he would be a 30 million guy on injured reserve right now. Like, like that, that, that I guess, is, like, conjecture. But based off the fact that he missed time with the Titans every single year he was with the Titans, I would assume he would have missed at some point, and fans would have been like, uh, just imagine if they would have spent, you know, fans want to have $500 million to spend, and they want to pick and choose where they would have spent that money. But... Uh, instead of rehashing this, let me ask you this. And Matthias, I'm I'm curious what your opinion is on this. So let, let's talk about Caleb Farley. If if Caleb Farley never takes another snap in the NFL, it, you know, he'll be a bust. And he may not. He may come back next year and be fine. He, You know, w- like we're going to assume the worst just because we haven't seen any reason to be positive about it. But the whole reason, like – the the big explanation on why Caleb Farley is a Titan is because there was such a big deal made about how this was the combine that you could go and you could look at people and the Titans medical staff got a hold of him and they cleared him and they gave him, you know, they said that there's no chance that he'll re-aggravate this and this, that, and the other. And then he's torn his ACL and hurt his back in back-to-back years. 
And so I, I, I understand that the responsibility ultimately falls on John Robinson with who you draft. But it's a it's just another example of it's like I mean, we have that in print where he, you know, you can pull up the audio clip where he said, you know, we we ran and we ran straight to Caleb and had our medical team check him out. It's like this is a direct correlation of these guys involved with this process screwing up and dropping the ball in a in a situation where all they had to do was say, we're not comfortable with this, you know, and. I, like, I guess maybe John, like, I guess you could say John Robinson's lying, but that doesn't like, I, I don't know why that would benefit him because it's not like the Titans were desperate for a quarter cornerback at that point. Like it was, it was very much like a best player available kind of pick. So, because we all wanted Elijah Moore who, you know, matched what John Robinson is traditionally liked, like multi-thousand year receiver at, at uh, Ole Miss, like an SEC school started forever blah, blah, AJ Brown's best friend, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, like everything about that draft. And you look at what they did this year, again, back-to-back SEC picks with their first and second round pick and Traylon Burks and Roger McCreary, both are multi-year starters with great production. It's like they have a type and when they go away from it, it's strange. And when they went away from it in 20, or they didn't even go away from it in 2020, they just got Wilson and Fulton. Like Wilson was terrible and Fulton just hadn't been healthy enough, but it's like they, they do that consistently. So when they take Farley and Raidens, you're like, well, that's weird. I wonder why they took them. And there's just no explanation in my mind that justifies taking Caleb Farley. If your medical team doesn't clear him. And since he's so again, he's a project guy, which is so atypical from what John Robinson's other draft picks are. Like I, I just have a problem with that falling on Robinson completely because the only explanation is they graded him as somebody who could be an elite guy with like real, like, like high upside, like pro bowl potential. And that was the best guy they had there. And their medical staff gave him the thumbs up. I mean, tell me if I'm crazy and thinking that that's why that makes sense. No, I mean, uh, it, it's tough because we, we we really don't know who wants what player and who's pounding the table uh, for which player. I remember we had the theory that uh, was it Dick LeBeau that was pounding the table for, for Kevin, Kevin Dodd. Dodd. Yeah, yeah, back in the day. Um, so, so it was frustrating and we, and we can't really like say for sure. The Farley pick to me seemed a little bit like a luxury, but we also have to take into account uh, the fact that the defense was a disaster going into that offseason. Uh, and they really needed to do a lot to fix it. And they, I think they wanted to just get more high-talented, uh, high-level uh, types of talent. Uh, and they had success with Jeffrey Simmons coming off an injury two years ago before that. Uh, and I think that kind of made the Titans comfortable to, to draft Farley. And obviously, it's been uh, a complete disaster. Like, his body has just completely uh, betrayed him. But then I go back to, you know, you, you, you say that the Titans could have, we wanted Elijah Moore. A lot of people did. Elijah Moore just like got him benched by the New York Jets and he, he has asked for, for a trade and it's not going well at all with, with the Jets, even though he had a promising rookie season. Uh, the other guy a lot of people wanted was Rashad Bateman. He's out for the year. He's had uh, foot injuries. He's been injured all, all both of his seasons in the NFL We'd be killing John Robinson if we drafted either of those yeah, guys. Yeah, but we yeah. can't judge John Robinson based on like what we would have done in yeah, his position. Like he, right. the, the nature of that job, as you are 
judged on hindsight. No one looked back at that Browns GM and said, but everyone loved Justin Gilbert. And, oh, Johnny Menzel won the Heisman. I mean, he, he was the best college quarterback in a decade. No, you don't say that. You say no, they came in, the they sucked. But the difference is they weren't winning the division every year. You know, that, if, and, if, and that's fair. So it's like it, there's this weird uh, this this disconnect with the fan base where – and it's not as simple as this, but it's like everybody says, well, if John Robinson would have just hit on those first round picks in 2020 and 2021, this team would be great. And it's like the problem, because it, it goes back to Matias's question about blue chip talent. Like the problem to me isn't that blue chip talent isn't there. It's that it's all on injured reserve or not playing. Like, I mean, this like team who? would look like, look at this team. Do what? Like who? Burks? Like, it, so at the beginning of the season when uh, they had everybody, even without Harold Landry, right, they had five sacks in the first half. Like, uh, Rashad oh, I watched Weaver, the Chiefs game. It was fabulous. Well, so, but my point is, like, the beginning of the season, the defense still was missing Harold Landry and Elijah Molden and, uh, you know, I think somebody else was hurt, but I can't remember. But by by week two, They've already and look. I'm not. I'm not saying Taylor Lewan is is great anymore. Like I think we've seen the last. I think we've seen his last snap. I think he knows it. I think we 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 can all accept that. But it, like they, you know, he play, He did didn't go to IR last year. It's not like he tore his ACL last year. He tore his ACL the year before. So this should have been the year he was healthy if he was going to be healthy. And then he tore his ACL on his other leg in like the first snap of week two. So. By the second snap of week two, you've got to have Dennis Daly in, which we'll get back to him in a second. But they also don't have – so they're, they're missing Taylor Lewan, They're missing Harold Landry. They're missing – like, in any way, fast forward to now, and you've got Harold Landry's out. Jeffrey Simmons is on a bum ankle, and he's not even practicing during the week, and he's just clearly – like, you know, he's not the same guy who was getting, like, a sack and a half or whatever, like – or a sack every game for the first half of the season, like – He's just been different since his ankle got hurt. And then Danico Autry, who led you in sacks, like the Titans were averaging three sacks a game before he got hurt. And they've only gotten three sacks in the game since like combined. So it's like, that's a problem. Then you've got Zach Cunningham and David Long, who Zach Cunningham isn't like an all pro, but he's a funk. Like we saw last year, he's a functional linebacker who is long and you can't really run inside against him because he just comes downhill so quick. And David long is one of the better linebackers in the NFL. Like when you just watch him. So you've got all those guys injured and you have Fulton injured and you've got a lot, like you, you missed, they were missing all their cornerbacks last week. Like a uh, Christian Ful or uh, Christian Fulton and uh, Molden were out and then McCreary played, but McCreary, you know, plays all the time, but it's like, they've got guys off the street. Like the plan was never, for those guys to be in the game. Like those guys weren't on the roster. The guys who were on the roster are all hurt. Like, so that that's my problem with it is like, you know, maybe the offense wouldn't be great. I, I would argue that if Lawan was in and if Traylon Burks didn't get a dirty hit by, you know, Philadelphia on that touchdown catch. And, you know, when you look at everything they've done, like he and Chig and Robert Woods, like Robert Woods and Traylon Burks in the Green Bay game were awesome. Like, I mean, they were great. They had like five catches, and uh, I think Robert Woods had like 60 yards, and 
Traylon Burks had like a hundred yards and almost scored a touchdown, but like at the end of the game, but it just turned into like he had two catches that went for 40 or more yards. Like that, like they were really good. But the problem is like those guys aren't going to get stats when they insist on running the ball so much. And then when you do pass the ball, you've got the worst tackle in the NFL playing left tackle for you. And everybody says, well, it's John Robinson who traded a fifth round pick. You know what else he did? He spent a second round pick on Dylan Radens. That like he should like I don't understand he's bad. why this. He's not though. Is like, he that's though? The thing. Is he though? He's that's not. Bit, like yeah. It's that's the thing. It's like everybody's like he's bad. It's like no, you're assuming that Mike Vrabel knows better than we do when we've seen him do this <laughs> dumb stuff. Like we've seen him play Questenberry for a whole season. Like we've seen him play Matt Dickerson for a whole season. Like we've well, we've seen him whole seasons on the Matt Dickerson front. Yeah, and and to try to start Rashawn Evans when he doesn't know in year three where to run and they're having to tell him where to go. Like we've seen him connect with these guys, be friendly with these guys, and play them over guys who are better at their position. Like we, David Long had to ride the bench for three years when he essentially like helped shut down the Ravens in the that playoff game when he was everywhere and was in on two fourth down stops, but he got put on the bench and made a special teams player because that just wasn't what Mike Vrabel wanted to do. It's like, like Mike Vrabel's a good coach. That's not, this gets lost. I think Mike Vrabel's a good coach. I think the idea, the opinion out there of him, that is he's only going to go as far as his coordinators take him, but he will always have a locker room that's competitive and has an advantage because he knows the rule book and he understands when to take timeouts and he understands those small things about the game. I think that's right. But the problem is he's never had a bad offensive coordinator or a bad defensive coordinator that he's had to fire. You know, Dean Pease, you know, quote unquote retired, but that's because Mike Frable just wanted to take over the defense. And then the next year, and that was a disaster. Yeah. It's like, he's never had somebody who did the job poorly that he actually made a tough decision on. He's always either waited for their contracts to expire or he's let them retire and walk away. Like he, like he's never had to make the tough decision. And we're at the point now where the guy who, is going to make like, or was going to make the tough decisions is out of the building. And so now we're, we're at a situation where this guy was, you know, John Robinson was not really a scapegoat because there wasn't that much blame, but the first time that this team hits any sort of significant controversy or bumpy part, you know, all the fans are like, this team's terrible. It sucks, blah, blah, blah. And, Everybody's like, but not you, Mike, you're doing great. And at the same time, these fans are also like, I just can't believe we keep getting injured. And I just can't believe our offense isn't doing well. And it's like, he's responsible for that. Like he's responsible for the training protocol and for the strength and conditioning and making sure that these players are healthy. He's responsible for hiring and firing the offensive coordinator. Like, and it's not, it's worse than it was last year. And it like it just there's this disconnect to me that I don't understand where it comes from. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just we always keep going back to the same things. And I, I feel like we just keep going uh, in, in circles, at least me and Will. Um, but I don't know. I, I at the very least, I think John Robinson should have gotten to the end uh, of this season before. Uh, before this was done, it really just seemed like a very uh, impulsive decision from Amy Adams Strunk. And 
We'll see. We'll, 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 we'll see if it works out. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, a little, I'm a little bit scared. I, I, I think I, I think there's a lot of negatives that could come out of this, but I mean, we've, we've already started to see it. Um, yeah. I don't know if any of it has to do uh, with John Robinson, but let, let's take a quick ad break and then we'll come back and start to kind of talk about some of those negatives uh, after. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Now that we've gotten the John Robinson part of the programming uh, out of the way, we are finally clear to talk about uh, the Titans game from from this past weekend. So I think coming going into the game, a lot of fans kind of felt uh, that the Titans, especially coming off that, that Eagles game where they got absolutely destroyed 35 to 10 and got really outclassed by a, a great uh, Eagles team. I think people came into the Jaguars game thinking that the Titans very well could drop this one, not necessarily a trap game because the Titans were coming off a big loss uh, anyway, but the Titans do end up losing this game, but they did it in a fashion that was really, really prog- problematic and, and disconcerting, uh, at least to me, because a lot of their old issues that that haven't even popped up this season started popping up in this one. Like Evan Ingram goes off for 160 yards and two touchdowns. The Titans have played tight ends very well for this entire season, uh, and that's something from like the 2020 tight ends. Trevor Lawrence looks like a legitimate all pro out there against the Titans pass defense that hasn't been great this year, but the defense has been one of the better parts of the team. Thankfully, the run defense looked good. Who who cares? The Jaguars scored 36 points anyway. Um, but it was just, it was really bad. Derrick Henry looked good uh, for the most part, as he always does against the Jaguars. But the offense kind of stalled uh, after the first quarter, couldn't get anything going. The defense couldn't stop the, the Jaguars at all. They couldn't even get any pressure on Trevor Lawrence. Uh, what did, uh, I don't know if Luke, you want to go first. What, what do you think of this game? I, I assume you saw it. And, and if you yeah. did, uh, what were your thoughts on it? And yeah. Yeah. Well, biggest thought I already shared is that no receiver got open at any point during the game. No, am I being hyperbolic? Yes. But, but there's no, there was no separation and, and Tannehill had no shot and he got jobbed on that, uh, quick fire interception where, Nick Westbrook Aquina was nowhere to be found. Uh, it, it, it's just bad. And and Dennis Daly's going to get Tannehill killed. And, and, and if I'm Tannehill, I'm, I'm honestly like a little upset with Mike Vrabel about that. Like, like do you, do you care about Tannehill's health? Because he's getting crushed. Now, you guys could answer this question. Uh, who, who else would they put out there? LaRaven Clark, even though it should be Dylan Radens at tackle, Ravens. but they just they think he's a guard and like, okay, that, that that's your decision. The the coaching staff is gonna have to live with that, but don't act like they haven't had the option, you know, to put him in there. Like he was drafted as a tackle, 
He was a good tackle in college. The, he, did he play the, left tackle against the 49ers? Yeah. In, he, he played Nick right Bosa tackle. Down. No, he played was left. It, and right, he played oh, uh, and then Nick Bosa went to the right side because he could beat up on Questenberry yeah. and couldn't beat Raidens. Yeah. But, like, okay, so he just, just on that real quick, it's like the best game of the year they've had, he was, the, like, Dylan Raidens was in at left guard because Ben Jones, like, against uh, the Packers. And – Brewer was at center because Ben Jones was out. So it's like, but anyway, who would play left tackle? It would technically be LaRaven Clark, even though you could put Raidens there or you could move, uh, which I don't, I'm not advocating for moving Nicholas Petit Frere over to left tackle when he's played right tackle all year. But like at this point, it doesn't matter how good your right tackle is playing because your left tackle is so bad that there's no, like he's just getting destroyed. So, you know, it would be better if you just didn't play a fifth offensive lineman. Yeah, so uh, I don't really know what what else we could talk about this game because it was just such a disaster. But I'm well. Let's say this: what like is there any question that they were a distracted and not focused team? Yeah, I mean, that's they, I they did want to ask you turnovers. Yeah. I mean, they had four turnovers. The defense didn't get any. Tur- I mean, like the, there was no effort by the defense. Like they, they didn't try to jump any routes. Like they didn't get a good pass rush. They looked complacent. You know, they didn't seem to get ca- they didn't seem to care too much when, you know, the Jaguars would get an interception and then run all the way to the end zone and celebrate and do all this. And it's like they were getting like made fun of at home by the other team and there was there was no pushback, you know, and and by the way, this was Mike Vrabel's dream game. Derrick Henry had success as a runner. They stopped the other team's running game, but they turned the ball over because it, it just it just nobody was focused. Like like you said, Nick Westbrook Akina didn't even realize he was supposed to catch the ball. Like he was supposed to turn around and catch it, you know, instead of going out of bounds or putting, you know the the ball in, towards the sideline or, or doing whatever like Derrick Henry fumbles on a two minute drill that was a ten point swing, then uh, Dennis Daly just absolutely lets Tannehill get blasted like and you know get killed from behind and it's like he has to scrape himself up off the ground and Mike Vrabel comes out on Monday and says you know yeah we just can't get beat inside and it's like on the force fumble it's like it was an outside move and you know like it's just it's you know, he also, which Paul Karski give give him credit on this, like he he tweeted and said that too often this team gets away with saying uh, there's there's just a lot of things that are going wrong when they're asked about things that are going wrong that are just like you know there's a lot of issues. It's like it's it's one of the you know it's just the 2020 version of got to coach better, got to play better. It's the whole like if I just deflect this and you know, it sounds like I take accountability, but I really am not saying anything, then I get away from it. And it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm obviously not a big, like Paul Kaharski, like Stan. I'm not, I'm not like, he's the best to ever do it. And I don't even think he, I think his version of hard questions is sometimes ridiculous, but you know, this is time when, you know, they came out on, Monday to the press conference, and I don't know if they were told not to ask about Todd Downing. I don't know what the deal was, but there was no mention of are they going to try to do anything different. It was just a ton of softballs. Like, how is how is Dontrell here? Are you doing? Oh, thanks for asking. He's doing good. And I'm just like, 
what like what are we doing here? That size says it all. Um, so, <laughs> what, what do you guys think about the Titans' season and, and where it's heading? Because, I mean, they've lost three straight games, and the, the past two weeks they've given up 71, 71 points, if I'm doing the math correctly. They still haven't scored more than 30 points in a single game on offense, and that doesn't seem like it's going to change anytime soon. Um, They're probably going to win the division, but... I could see them losing every game for the rest of the season. Like, no, I don't... no, no. Here's what's going to happen. Sure? They're going to win the division, and they're going to win a playoff game. I, mark my words. And here's why I say that. Because there is absolutely no reason to believe that the latter is going to happen. They're going to win the division just because Jacksonville sucks. But they're going to win a playoff game because because no one expects them to. And that's what Mike Vrabel does. It's like, as soon as you're like, they got no shot, Mike Vrabel's like, hey, y'all, watch this. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. They're absolutely not going to win the Super Bowl. If they make it to the divisional round of the playoffs, they're going to get shellacked by wherever they have to travel. Um, but they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win a playoff game. I, I, I just really believe that. And I believe it because there's no reason to believe it. Does that make sense? It does make sense, but... I feel like the season is different. I, I feel like we're not getting those Mike Rabel, oh, everyone. I think we only got it in the Chiefs game, really, uh, and they ended up losing that game anyway because— Well, they would have won that game with Tannehill. Yeah, with yeah. Tannehill and, and with uh, Todd Downing that actually, you know, could do anything uh, in terms of offensive play calling in the second half. But, I mean, the other games, the the Bills game, I think would have been—would have qualified for that. They got absolutely destroyed, which, fair, the Bills are a good team— uh, the Bengals game, probably, you know, or the Phil- Philadelphia game, I think in past seasons, they probably go into Philadelphia and at the very least make it a really tight game. Not even close, you know, like, I, th- so I think, I feel like the season is different and, and I just don't see this team. I don't see them winning a game in the playoffs, really, especially if they play like they have these past couple of weeks and especially if they look as unfocused and as like disconnected uh, from the game like they did uh, in this Jaguars one. And, and I do think, I, I do think the John Robinson firing had, had something to do with it. I, even Tannehill before the game, I think said um, that it does affect you in, in a way. And he did try to downplay it a little bit, but like John Robinson was a, a high character guy. A lot of the players really liked him a lot. And it was a, a, like a huge surprise to us. Imagine to the players, who he's had, you know, contact with uh, very frequently. A lot of them he signed. A lot of them he's drafted. And yeah, I, I don't. I feel like that's going to play a role in the rest of the season. I don't think the Titans were, were going anywhere anyway, even if John Robinson was was still uh, employed by the team because this team had a lot of flaws and the coaching staff just just isn't great right now, particularly on offense. But it just feels like it feels like a very lost season. So, you know, I, I, I came into this discussion assuming that I was going to trash the Titans. Do you know what I think? I think Luke has a point because what's the worst thing that could happen to the Titans? The worst thing that could happen to the Titans is that they go to the playoffs. Ryan Tannehill tears his ACL. No, that, that team, the fans My would goodness. love that. The fans oh, would love that's that. that's true. That's, <laughs> like, they, they would eat that. Why? Malik Willis is awful. 
Yeah, they don't care. Like that, they don't. They don't care who's good at football. They just care about the the thing that they were arguing with people about six months ago. <laughs> but so here's the worst thing that could happen. They go to the playoffs. They play the Bengals. Tannehill lights it up. Three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Derrick Henry has another. You know, one of his recent t- uh, playoff performances. 25 carries for 85 yards, like <laughs> largely effective. That's being gets, generous to Derrick Henry. Yeah. Performance. Yeah. Did it's you like say 85, 85 yeah. yards? Yeah. 20, whoa, 25, whoa, whoa. 25 for 85. I mean, what did he have? 20 for 70 or something 40. last playoff. Two and like then he 20 averaged for 40 yards. Or something. Yeah. And then he averaged 2.2 against Baltimore two years ago. So, I mean, like he's had more bad than good, but it, like that that's not the, but the point I'm trying to make is they do well Tannehill is the one who drags them to a win then the next week Tannehill goes two touchdowns zero interceptions Derrick Henry is the same game they lose by 14 points so fans have to continue the narrative of well it's because they have to say, well, you know, Tannehill didn't do enough because that's the only narrative they have because it can't be a Mike Vrabel problem, and they'll never admit that Derrick Henry's the issue, and they will trade Ryan Tannehill for whatever because every team needs a quarterback and he's a good quarterback. They'll trade Ryan Tannehill, and then Mike Vrabel would come out and say, you know, we're committed to the running game, we're going to get the ball, and they'll build around Derrick Henry the entire offseason despite all the evidence saying that they shouldn't. Todd Downing will get another year because you don't fire an offensive coordinator and uh, when you go to the playoffs and you win a game. I mean, like, clearly he's got this thing figured out. And so next year they get the same exact coaching staff. They lose Ryan Tannehill. They have Derrick Henry as the focal point of their offense. And it's just a 5-12 and 12 team. Just, like, get their teeth absolutely kicked in because they have this big, massive rebuild and they don't understand what they're trying to build towards. And they don't have anybody who knows how to build towards it. That is some that is some dark stuff right there. Um, Who's trading Tannehill? Uh, good question. The Titans, know. probably. Whoever <laughs> the whoever the GM uh, is. That's what I mean. Who's making that call? I. Right, well, I'm actually I mean, interested. Who's, who do you guys think the, the GM is going to be? Yeah, I don't right. know. I mean, it'll be somebody. No, else. no, they, no. They cannot. They cannot. No, it never make. Be. It, he would he would never do anything shady like that. You remember that whole season where he pretended like he didn't have a defensive coordinator? <laughs> that was that was crazy <laughs> honest. Uh, like, right. the, like it was he, him. Yeah, he didn't have I, one. I know, I know. And he told everybody it was Shane Bowen. <laughs> I, I, I'm old enough to you remember, remember that I'm end of season up. press conference where yeah. after another disaster he went, "All right, guys, the dig is up. I'm gonna admit it. It was all <laughs> Shane Bowen." It was that guy's fault. <laughs> and then ran out for four months. And I was like, wow. <laughs> but I mean, like, I, I don't, uh, you know, say whatever you want. Say that Mike Rabel didn't have a hand in this or whatever. Somebody said it best when they said he might not have been the one who engineered it, but he's the one who didn't stop it if he thought it was wrong. You know, he like Amy was not going to say, I'm going to fire you in the middle of the season and I'm going to fire John Robinson. Like that would, that is never what would have happened. So if he truly thought it was the wrong thing, he would have stood up for Robinson. And, you know, I'm not saying to sacrifice your job for your friend or general manager or whatever. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is that, you know, he's not innocent here. Like he didn't put up a fight. He didn't say like, you know, uh, he, he said the same boilerplate stuff that Amy did. He didn't. It, so 
I'm, he doesn't get a pass with this either. Whether he had a big hand in it or a little hand in it, he was involved in some way. But you know, there, there's a bunch of different like there's a bunch of different like general manager candidates that they have talked about. But I mean, Vrabel's also said, you know, I'm going to help however I can, and I'll help with that process and all that. So he's going to pick. You know, everything we know about about Mike Vrabel is he works with people he knows, like. Whether it's hiring guys, whether it's getting free agents off the street, it's like he gets people that he has firsthand experience with. And there's no way that he's going to hire somebody who's going to do the right thing and disagree with him when times get hard. That's not what Mike Vrabel wants. Mike Vrabel wants a buddy who's going to agree with him so that he can get this done. And honestly, that's what 95% of us want. So I, I don't fault that. But anybody who's like, you know, we're, they're going to conduct a real search and they're going to turn over every rock. And they're like, that's not you don't make this move without having a short list. You don't make this move if you're a competent owner without a short list of names that says, OK, th- these are the five guys we think can do a better job than he like. You just you just don't do that. So either they have a short list and it's some really impressive names or more likely it'll be an internal candidate, which means it's going to be somebody that is going to be the poor man's version of John Robinson because he was the the vice president or second in command or whatever to the current regime. And the only difference is, is Mike Vrabel is going to have a more more of a say in, you know, who signed. So, like, I, I think it's a 75 percent chance that it's somebody in the building that Mike Vrabel signs off on as somebody he thinks that he can kind of puppet around. It'll be interesting. That's for sure. Uh, I, I guess just last one to finish before we do stop the nonsense. Do you guys think there's any chance that the Titans don't make playoffs? No. No. Really? I, mean, I think the Jaguars mess it up for themselves. I think yeah. I mean, the Jaguars yeah. lose this week. Because, you know, people forget they don't get to play the Titans every week. They just have them one more time. So they've got to play. They've got to play. They do the last games. game of the season, though. Imagine if it comes down yeah. to that one in Jacksonville. But you know, oh man, it's like you've got. They've got Dallas. Is like, I mean, they lost forty to fourteen to Detroit, like the week before they played us. So, I mean, I assume they're going to lose to Dallas, who apparently is getting Tyron Smith back this week, which makes perfect sense because he's going to get just into form, so we can play him. Um, and I think the Titans are going to win probably that the Dallas game on Thursday night or whatever the short week it is. When no they have way. To you think that, they like, could beat the Cowboys? I, I mean, I think they're going, I think a short week at home, I think they have an advantage there. Yeah. And then I think, yeah. uh, cause Dallas, I mean, Dallas is good. Like they, you know, they put up a lot of points or, or whatever, but I mean, I, I don't know. Like they like it's not like they're a perfect team. So I think they. I mean, that. They're, they're more of a better running team. I think that benefits the Titans. But I can't stop thinking about Micah Parsons going up against Dennis Daly. That is going to be just a horror show. Yeah, I mean, well, buckle up because this week they're going to have to go against Khalil Mack and maybe Bosa if he comes back. So it's like it's. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I mean. You know, like I, I assume that, you know, he'll get his and, you know, it'll that'll be a great matchup for them. But I just think uh, based on what I know about this this team and Mike Vrabel and what will happen is the Jags will lose to uh, 
the Jags lose to the Cowboys. The Titans will beat the Cowboys later. The Titans will beat Houston. And then they'll be in and they'll have everybody like they'll have half their players benched for the Jaguars game. And then they'll probably still win that game, like because it'll be a revenge game or whatever. And Malik Willis will go crazy or so some, something weird will happen. But like it'll be it'll look like it, you know, it'll look like they barely squeaked in and then they'll win a game and everybody will say, oh, that Titans team. They're just you just can't keep them down. And it's like it'll be like it's a credit to their coach, Mike Vrabel, who really you can tell the personality on this team. And it's like you would just until, die a slow death if that happened. Dude, last year when Henry got hurt and I predicted I called the shot like months in advance. Oh, I'll where never I was forget like, it. It's like they're going to keep running the ball. They're going to win. And that like he's going to get coach of the year. And sure enough, it was the beginning of the downfall of the Titans where he gets coach of the year. And then like the now Robinson's gone. Titans. I, I I truly do think that I, I mean maybe I'll say this because I'm interested in what y'all think I think this offseason if they don't get a general manager who's outside of the building who's got a proven track record and who nails this offseason I think that they will not only not make the playoffs next year I don't think they'll have a winning season and I think I think it will be full clean house everybody's gone like, I, th- I think that I think that's the way I look at it right now, not because the talent's not there, the talent is there, but if Downing stays and if they keep, you know, I'm not at this point, I'm assuming that they're going to play 90 players a year. So and with that assumption and with the, you know, with those two things in place, I don't think that a guy can come in and start what he thinks is part of a rebuild with this happening. And I just think it's going to be a disaster. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're, I feel like they're going to hire from within. I, I I don't think they're going to hire. I don't know. Someone. I think Ryan Cowden is too attached to John Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. That might be true. That might be true. Um, yeah, I don't know if they want report. that. The, 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 the guy I think is, uh, an interesting candidate is the guy who's the number two with the jets, just because of the class that the jets have had like this year, like, just nailing it with, but again, it's hard because the Titans are not going to be in a position to draft a sauce gardener. Like they're, they're not going to have two top 10 picks. So like, I mean, you need somebody in Rick Smith is a name too, who has gone around a lot, which I, I, I like him. And I would, I would be on board with that because he basically built the Texans into a contender and that, that worked for them. So, I mean, I, I would be on board with that, but, You've got to get a guy who can pick true first-round talents with picks that are in the mid-20s. And when you look at the track record of anybody, like those picks almost never hit. I mean, sometimes they do, but the problem is we're like, yeah, but what about this guy who's drafted 21? It's like, yeah, but what about the hundred other guys in the last five years who drafted who are either in jail or who are out of the league or who have chronic injuries or who got traded for a fourth round pick to, you know, it's like the, the hit rate just isn't what people think it is. Yeah. All I'll say is if they keep tailoring the offense to an aging Derrick Henry and a bad offensive line, it's just going to be a disaster. So please, for the love of God, just, just do something different on offense next year. Although if Todd, Todd Downing is the offensive coordinator, I'm not going to watch, man. I honestly don't think I'll watch next season if Todd Downing 
uh, is back and is the offensive coordinator, even though I always say similar <laughs> things. And then, then I end up watching anyway, but I really do. I really do believe that. Anyway, uh, let's take an ad break here, one final one, and then we'll come back with Stop the Nonsense. Welcome back into No Nonsense, the Tennessee Times podcast. Uh, I just realized we never even did a Chargers preview, but there, were, there was too much to talk about uh, carrying over from last week. Uh, but yeah, it's, anyway, the Titans traveled to LA to take on the Chargers, who just beat the Dolphins. Actually, uh, got a huge win, and it looked like they're finally looking uh, like a like a good defensive team, which hasn't been the case for most of the season. So, should be a tough game for the Titans, but hopefully, uh, it's a fun one. Anyway, uh, let's do stop the nonsense, Luke. Since you're our guest of honor, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, so, twice. In the last week, my, my stop the nonsense goes out to whatever delivery worker is servicing my apartment. Because twice in the last week, I have ordered something on the internet, gotten the notification that it has been delivered, and returned home to not have the thing. Okay? First, it was a book. Never saw the book. And then second, so this is weird anyway, it, it was a, a package that had nothing in it but a toothbrush. And the reason is, is I was making my Walmart grocery pickup order, and I just used my last toothbrush. And so I'm like, okay, I need to order more toothbrushes. So put it in the orders, like four bucks, you know. Well, I, I hit submit, and it's like, oh, we don't have that toothbrush at the store, but that's okay. We'll deliver it to you, no charge. I'm like, okay, right, whatever. Uh, so the and the funny thing is again this like a week on the heels of the book never showing up, um, they send like a picture. They send me an email. They're like the toothbrush has been delivered, and to prove it, we have sent you a picture. And I click on the picture. I'm like, that's not my apartment. And and I I don't know what is happening. I I have had plenty of things delivered successfully to my front door. Um, and then just in the last week, stuff isn't showing up. Now, I have been refunded for both things. They sent me my four bucks back for the toothbrush and my eight or nine bucks for the book that never showed up. But it is just severely frustrating because then I have to go order it again and I have to fool with customer service trying to get the refund. And it's just a pain in the neck when really all this comes down to is just, just read read the number on the door like read the number if it doesn't say the number that i gave you to deliver it to then don't put it at, at that door put it at the door with the right number so that that is my stomp the nonsense i love the idea of somebody bringing your packages and just being like I'm going to take this picture and it like not be in the right door. And then the company being like, I don't know what to tell you. They took a picture. I'm like, if they took a picture of their own house, does that count? Like, do I? <laughs> that's what I have to do. They're, they're like, we, we see that the, I, when I'm talking to like chatting with the customer service and you know, the, like the box that comes up in the right of your computer, you do that like live chat. Uh -huh. They're like, I see that the item has been delivered. What seems to be the problem? I'm like, it wasn't delivered here. <laughs> it's like, well, that's simply not our fault. And it's like, well, it's, somebody needs to be held accountable. Um, okay, I'll go ahead and do mine. So uh, 
for me, it's been mock draft season because uh, as you heard, Already? I'm not overly optimistic. I'm not, I am not optimistic about the rest of the season. So I've held off all year and I hadn't looked at them, but this week I started cracking into them, uh, which luckily enough, I think it was Todd McShay uh, on ESPN put out his first mock draft and his first mock draft pick for the Titans is Jackson Smith and Jigba, the slot wide receiver from Ohio state. And I cannot imagine, I mean, like, I cannot imagine somebody who, if they didn't go to Ohio State, is less of a Mike Vrabel type pick. Because if you're not familiar with Jackson Smith and Jigba, like I said, he's he's a smaller slot wide receiver who um, some teams had a third, grade gra- third, third round grade coming out of last year, even though he's really good. But because he had 1,600 yards in 2021, but this year he's been injured all season, and it's going to end up. I think he'll end up have played in like one game, which was the uh, Notre Dame game, and that even that might be wrong. Like I'm not 100% sure, but basically they have not the, the Titans aren't spending their pick on like a big outside wide receiver or an offensive lineman or even a defensive end, which I don't necessarily agree with, but like people have talked like that's an idea. It's like the slot wide receiver who's been injured, who like can't really block. And it's like, at a certain point, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know why I get mad at these things, but I'm just like, just copy and paste something that somebody else did that knows the Titans. Like, it's it's very frustrating, but it, that's fun. So I'm glad to get mad at something that like actually could change in the future instead of getting mad at like the Titans playing Dennis Daly over and over again. Like this at least might change over the next three months. I am excited to see how the Titans draft um, now with John Robinson gone because he had pretty clear like trends and, and patterns in terms of. Uh, where he drafted guys from and, and what positions and with holes on the roster as well. So should be interesting with the new GM. Uh, so for my stop and nonsense, I was actually looking for one because I didn't come prepared as per usual. But then I remembered that Byron Leftwich left us with uh, just, just a gem, a, a gem of a quote. So this was after uh, the Saints-Buccaneers game. I think it was on was it Thursday night or Monday night? I, I honestly can't remember at this point. Anyway, it was two weeks ago. The Buccaneers ended up winning on like a last uh, second game winning drive by Tom Brady, where the Buccaneers went up tempo, obviously, because they didn't have a lot of time to, to huddle up and such. Uh, and then a day later, Byron Leftwich gets asked if a team would be able to go up tempo for an entire game. His response is, I believe so. I believe this game comes down to scoring. I know a lot of you guys look at a lot of those things, but this game comes down to scoring. That's the one thing that's 100% true. You score more points than the other team. (laughs) You win the ball game every single time. Nobody has ever lost scoring more points than the other team. There's a lot of numbers out there that can seem somewhat factual, but it comes down to the only number that's guaranteed in any analytics is if you score more points than the other team, you win. I think any offense can work as long as you score points doing it. Just absolute babbling makes no sense. And this is the guy (laughs) who is coordinating an offense led by Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, uh, Rashad White, Leonard Fournette, 
They're scoring 17.2 points per game. <laughs> Worse than the Titans. Worse than the Todd Downing Titans. And this guy is talking about if you score more points than the other team, you win. Well, that's why you've lost eight games. That's why your offense is terrible. So just absolutely ridiculous. I don't. It's a clown show over there in Tampa Bay with Todd Bowles and Byron Left, which I think Titans fans could at least be be thankful for that. Yeah, it's going to be hard when uh, Tom Brady is the quarterback next year. I, I did forget about that subplot about him. Oh, I saw your tweets about that. That was funny. Yeah, yeah I think that's uh, like that. Uh, that would be the ultimate like gratification for me where it's like, OK, y'all wanted Mike Vrabel, who notoriously uh, like brings in his friends and people he played. I'm like, this is what's going to happen. And they're going to get a 47 year old Tom Brady and he's going to turn into absolute dust in front of us. So that, that would be a very funny. And then everybody was like, he better than Tannehill. And I'm like, you guys are the worst. I don't, I don't know if he would be with Dennis Daly as his left half. No, he's terrible now. He has, <laughs> yeah. and he has a, he has a good offensive line, Mike Evans. And like, I mean, it's a team he's played with for three years. I mean, like there, yeah. there's no reason for him to be bad now. And he's bad now. <laughs> so I like, I don't imagine coming to Tennessee and playing with Dennis Daly as your left tackle, who I can only assume Mike Rabel is going to give a 10 year deal to like, I can't imagine <laughs> that'll work out well. That actually might be my worst case scenario. Uh, getting 46 year old Tom Brady uh, behind this offensive line, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what the Titans do. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you all for tuning in for a special edition of No Nonsense Tennessee Titans podcast. Uh, we'll be back. Actually, I don't know if I'll be back. I'll, I'm going to be in Spain for the next two weeks, so I, I don't know if I don't know if we're going to do uh, a pod these next two weeks. Well, we'll keep you updated, though. Uh, hopefully, the the Titans could get back on track with a win over the Chargers and, and get their season uh, back on the rails. Uh, that'll do it for us. Thanks for tuning in, and remember to always stop the nonsense. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.